0: Hello everyone and welcome to Ask the Elders Anything, the podcast from Fellowship Bible Church in which you can ask the elders anything you want. Today we are going to be answering questions I'm personally looking forward to a lot because they will be relevant to me, which are questions about parenting. So if you happen to be listening to this in the middle of the night because you are trying to get a little baby back to sleep, this is just going to be exactly what what you need If you're not a parent There's probably going to be Stuff of value in here For you as well So thank you for joining us Let's get to
1: it Hi Nate
0: Hey Bruce There you are Welcome And welcome as well To Earl You feeling good Earl You look lively over there It's an illusion It's an illusion We will gladly enjoy He said it before I did Because
1: <laughs> I'm quicker Oh boy
0: uh, This is going to be because you're so young
1: <laughs> Oh
0: from Bruce <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, you you are both parents. You are also both grandparents. Mm-hmm. so i'm I'm looking forward to hearing the uh, the wealth of wisdom you have on these questions today. Question number one, it's kind of broad. and and I wasn't able to follow up with the questioner too much, know exactly what they are asking here. So I'm going to ask it and then um just kind of set you loose. So here's what they say. they they ask, Considering the volatile state of the world right now, and I should say that this question was submitted in May, which is, you know, kind of during the COVID-19 uncertainty, which is still ongoing as we're recording this, as well as um, the the large protests over George Floyd's, uh, the loss of George Floyd's life and um, the, you know, the unrest that followed with that. So I think that was kind of in the context of this questioner's mind um, when she's, when she says the volatile state of the world right now. Then she asks, what is some biblical advice for balancing being salt and light with protecting my family? So I guess the two categories, one is this obligation that we as Christians should be engaging with the world as salt and as as light being a positive influence um, in in this world around us. But then this also, you know, the, the obligation we have as parents to protect our children. So I guess when I read this, it sounded like the tension she's feeling between wanting to Um, go into the world and have her children be, you know, a positive influence on the people around her, but that could uh, around them, but that could potentially expose them to danger. So she wants to withdraw and protect her family. How, How do you balance those two concerns
1: as a Christian parent? And we'll start, we'll start with you on this one, Earl. As parents, we are responsible to both protect and prepare our children for life. So protection is an issue, but preparation is uh, equally important. And the better we do at preparing them for life, the less we'll need to do to protect them. In fact, they start off needing 100% protection and they have 0% preparation. (laughs) And so those two lines are going to cross over time. And by the time they're in their 20s and you're done with the active part of parenting, Uh, They should be fully prepared and far less protected by us. So the more they're prepared, the less we'll have to protect. It's a process and not an immediate cause and effect thing. And so uh, one thing we sometimes miss is that being salt and light isn't the same as being obnoxious. We need to be salt and light, but not necessarily obnoxious. And uh, I've always tried to remember this is if in presenting the gospel to a hostile world, if the gospel itself offends, no apology needed. But if it's me, my personality and my approach that offend, no apology is probably going to help.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So when you evaluate your kids, how do you know when those two lines cross? You know, I'm thinking I've got a four-year-old, you know, and we were just on a camping trip this last weekend and he's playing on these, these rocks. I mean, I was, I was thinking about that just then. Do I, At what point do I let him fall off these rocks and get hurt? You know, and I'm thinking some of these these cliffs he's by are 20, 30 feet. We were over by Banks Lake and, you know, there's those big rock formations over there. Some are five feet. Like I'm fine with him falling off a five footer and getting some scrapes, but not the 30 footer, you know, and I'm trying to think, how do you evaluate that with your kids in terms of stuff like, uh, you know, the political issues now or the worldview issues that the, the hard questions they'll be confronted with. How do you evaluate when they're ready?
1: It's not a a, an easy and exact measurement. You have to evaluate, first of all, how diligent have I been in preparing them? And then you test their preparation periodically. And the more they pass those tests, the more you can back off from the protection stuff. Um, A simple example that comes to mind is uh, when Ryan was about. oh. 10 or 11, probably 11, 11 and a half years old, uh, a new library opened up across Pacific Avenue in our neighborhood. And he loved going to the library every week and getting a stack of books. And he said, Dad, can I ride my bike down to the new library and, and look at it and get some books? And I said, uh, sure, but talk to your mother first, make sure your chores are done and uh, uh, before you go. And so he came back out five minutes later and says, Mom said, like, I can't go. I said, because you haven't done your chores? He says, no, she doesn't think it's safe. I says, okay, let me go talk to her. So I went in and, and talked to mom and said, uh, what's what seems to be the problem? She says, I don't want him riding his bicycle that far and crossing Pacific Avenue, four lanes of traffic and all of this. It's, it's dangerous. And so I paused for a minute and I said, okay, let's see. If he goes down this road, and goes across Pacific at a stoplight where there's a crosswalk and actual controls. Would that be better? No, I'm not real comfortable with that either. I says, okay, well, let me ask you this. In about three and a half years, when he's 15 and a half, is he going to be able to get a learner's permit and start driving? Well, sure, I imagine so. I says, okay, how do we get him from being able to ride his bicycle to the library to turning him loose with a car? in the next three and a half years. Mm-hmm. She glared at me and said, OK, <laughs> but uh, uh, Diana, we're not
0: going to give her the link to this podcast. <laughs> so feel free to be as candid as you want. That, that was
1: my first wife, by the oh, way. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a great example. Yeah, it's just a, a matter of gradually evaluating these things. And sometimes you make a mistake and you back off a little bit. Sometimes you're a little too conservative and you turn it loose a little bit more. And so you have to kind of Uh, treat it like an accelerator pedal. It's not always on cruise control. Bruce, do you have any thoughts on this as well? I think that brought up a really, really
2: important aspect of this. And that is that not only are your kids going to be different depending on their age, they're going to be different from each other. Mm -hmm. And then the two parents are going to have different viewpoints on how much caution. You know, some parents are just, yes, 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 all the time. Do anything, risk your life. We don't care. Um, We do care, but we want you to. You know, not feel you know throttled down like you can't do anything. Uh, other parents are are much more cautious, or one or the other. So all of that has to be worked through. If I'm reading the question right for the times, uh, you know, I don't know with real young kids if uh, if they're even aware too much of what's going on. Mm-hmm. But they see people in masks and stuff like that, and they need to be they need to be instructed what's going on as far as they're able to understand. And then, um, oh, even something like the homeless problem that's around us. If you were going to go and, and uh, explore the people in your <laughs> in your vacant lot next door like we had uh, and find out there are some people are living there, do you take your little kids there to, to meet them and figure out how you could help them in some way? Or do you just shield them off from that? Yeah, It depends. There's just so many factors. I don't really know how to uh, to add all that up except you just – you got to ask for wisdom on the fly. And it's just, uh, I think parenting is really hard in these, in these times, it's getting more complex.
0: Yeah, it it really is. I I remember something that's encouraged Sean and me thinking through some of this is uh, a resource from the Gospel Coalition called Raising Your Children as Exiles. And it's just, uh, you know, the culture we're growing up with, they're going to have a minority view that our family has on a lot of different issues Mm -hmm. and it kind of is the similar if we were to pack up and move and go raise our kids in Chile or something where we're you know we're citizens of a different country with a different set of values and a different language a different culture in a lot of ways and that can be hard so you know raising your kids as exiles uh involves a lot of different uh challenges that yeah get to a lot of the things that you were just bringing up there so we need a lot of prayer so
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. so thank you um Question number two, all right? This comes from Nathan Ani. He says, I have a parenting question for the elders. Can you speak to the importance of and any ideas and wisdom for recognizing rites of passage for our children? Our Rites, you know, R-I-T-E-S, rites of passage for our children. Either looking at some of those events like baptism, but also recognizing ages, 13, 16, 18, et cetera, you know, kind of those milestone uh, ages. I've heard of things like taking the child on a parent-child trip, Nathan continues, letting the child plan a trip, inviting mentors to come and speak into the child's life, et cetera. I wonder if you could speak to things you did to recognize your child's growth, but also any tips or recommendations you might have for parents entering these stages. So there's kind of uh, two different aspects to it is one is what, what would be cool ways to acknowledge, you know, the significance of these moments for your child with various rites of passage. And secondarily, what about preparing parents for these new things? And I know the Ani family, they're right on the cusp of the teenage years. You know, their oldest is just getting to that, to that age and, and they're thinking through, okay, how do we start to mark these with our, with our children?
2: Wow. That's a great question. And when we first started having kids, this is Bruce Dying, we had, uh, I don't know, I don't think these questions were thought of that much. I think, you know, hmm. when they graduated out of the potty chair, when they got potty trained, I think that was really important. I think we had a big, big party. That you is know, a when big you, one. Yeah, when you didn't have to be in a high chair anymore. You could right. be in the booster seat. And then, you know, the day when you don't have to be in the car seat. And then, uh, you know, you get to ride in the front with dad without a car seat. And then you could go through all of these Uh I wrote several of these down. Um, when you can have your ears pierced? How old do you have to be to do that? You just let James do that
0: last year, if I recall correctly.
2: <laughs> yeah, and no, that... he
0: didn't want to. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, okay. he got over Bummer. it finally. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah I'll love you saying that. Yeah. Uh, for the for the boys, when they got to use a power tool or you know start the lawnmower and mow the lawn, they thought that was fantastic for one week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me see what else I got here. But he mentioned things like baptism. So that yeah. something like that was very important uh, when they seemed to have a heart for God uh, in, in some way to celebrate that. But we didn't have ceremonies, per se, or, you know, plan this out like we're going to do this for every kid at a certain age. But later on, when our younger kids, we have eight kids and they're kind of four and one kind of born in one millennium and something <laughs> together. Wow. Well, we don't have any. born in this millennium. But anyway, some of them grew up during yeah. this millennium. And there was more talk about that. And in the co-op experience they had, they had a knighting ceremony, and you know, a, a prince's crown kind of a thing. And then you could you could write an important letter and uh, kind of celebrate this in a way of you know you're 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 you know getting close to adulthood, and this is going to be fantastic for you. And hmm. we're happy for that. And then as far as what we have done here recently, uh, not too many Christmases ago, BJ and I. Had the idea of doing like a legacy letter to each of our kids. And so now at this point, they're all grown. Some of them are having their own kids. And so I write this letter and then we gave a sword to each of my sons and sons-in-law and a special, what'd you call it? Yeah, piece of jewelry, uh, sterling silver jewelry for each of the uh, the, the girls. Mm. And it was it was very significant to me and I think to them as well. Mm. Uh, something to do even after they're already adults. Like, you know, hey, we have a family, we love each other, but there's, you know, who knows how much history lies ahead of us. Let's stay true to God. And hmm. uh, and it was also a reminder of the faithfulness of this many of their forebears who had sown the seeds of the gospel in times past.
0: Hmm. How about you, Earl? Have you done any rites of passage sort of things other than, Hey, you're you're now 11. You can you can go to the library on your bike. Is that the big one, or are there anything like that in in raising your kids?
1: We've done a few things like that. Uh, I I remember that there was a, a book that was quite popular a few years ago uh, that talked about these rites of passage, but I don't remember the title of it. Um, but anyway, there's there's books on it. There's a lot of good ideas, but uh, I think one thing to remember is the importance. And impact of uh, these moments is uh, pretty commonly illustrated in the fact that so many different religions have some form of transition, a bar mitzvah, a confirmation. Uh, Like Bruce said earlier, baptisms are often regarded this way. And so uh, I don't think we have to pretend that this is something new that we've discovered, but it is something that we ought to consider for our own families. One thing that we tried to do is to incorporate some kind of symbol with our, our wishes for them. And uh, it was fun to hear Bruce talk about the symbols they use because it happens to be the same ones we used. Mm. Uh, I had a, a sword that I passed on to Ryan at a certain stage of life and talked to him about uh, his role as a defender and protector. And that was a big motivation in him and what the sword meant in the scripture and the sort of the spirit and all of that. And then we had for all three of them, uh, custom made rings They were in the shape of a a cross with the long uh, stem of the cross circled around in the form of a ring. And they were custom made. And each of them had one of those not only as a rite of passage, but as a a reminder of uh, maintaining their uh, sanctity and uh, morality uh, for marriage and whatnot. So. We view several of those things, and uh, the smaller ones probably have as much impact as the big ones. With the uh, freedom to go on a bicycle, or freedom to drive a car, or freedom to go out alone, or things like that, that happen throughout life. And uh, I think the more that we describe those as "you're at the stage of life now where I think you can handle this responsibly," the more they will understand the impact and meaning of this and and measure their life accordingly.
0: Mm. Thank you. Thank you both for that. The um, the other side of it is, do you have any tips or recommendations you might have for parents entering these stages? I guess if you're a parent and, you know, on the cusp of either, you know, your child's about to become a teenager, should you have a rite of passage, you know, or not necessarily a rite of passage, but what tips would you have for family about to enter that stage? Or maybe, oh man, we're facing another milestone. We're about to be empty nesters. You know, I don't want to just spring two big brand new questions on you, but that's kind of the second half of this year is what, you know, what should we be thinking about as parents as we look at, oh my goodness, we're leaving one stage of life and going to the next. Are we ready for this? Yeah. Sometimes I've wondered if we need a class
2: or something for people that are <laughs> passing into that time when, huh. hey, they're kind of done with kids and maybe they're not quite into the grandchildren yet. Hmm. Can there be something there that is uh, is significant? But so far, we just let people stumble on.
0: Okay, on their own, and they seem to be doing okay. They're we doing have a great. Lot of Fantastic, wonderful yeah. empty nesters who are servants at our church, and just huge encouragement to people in other phases of
1: life. So, so true. Yeah, and when you've uh, worked diligently and tried to be responsible as a parent, you realize that even after they're thirty or forty years old there are still parenting roles that you have with them. And so you're not really done. You've just shifted responsibilities and uh, relationships. Well, you know, last Tuesday, before we recorded one of these Ask the Elder Anything podcast,
0: guess who was over at my house at 7 a.m. helping me uh, change the spark plug coil on my minivan? It was my dad. I called him, you know, the night before, Dad, the minivan won't start. You know, we're going to go camping next week. What am I going to do? And sure enough, he was there. He was calm. We changed the plugs. I was here on time to record the podcast. So thanks to my dad. That was my rite of passage. When I've learned how to change my own spark plugs <laughs> on a Nissan Quest, I feel like I have finally arrived into full-fledged manhood.
1: That's, well, why, they that's, a, yeah. that's why they call it a quest.
0: <laughs> I've achieved my quest. Okay. Question number three. Have either of you ever done any sort of family devotions slash worship before? And if so, what are some of the things that have or have not worked for you in that regard? And I think this is especially relevant, you know, now in this time where church and a lot of our programs and stuff are not meeting as regularly. Families might have some extra time for uh, doing their own sort of family worship, if you will. So have either of you done anything in that and along those lines and what's
1: worked, what hasn't? Uh, well, we regularly had uh, a time of prayer and scripture reading with the family, but we also read uh, a lot of good books to them. Uh, Chronicles of Narnia books that were written on a children's level of doctrine, uh, church history, Bible history books. Um, and I usually ate faster than the rest of the family. And so I would always keep a book nearby. And while the rest of the family was finishing their food, I would start reading and read for you know 10 or 15 minutes and, uh,
0: at the dinner table.
1: At so the dinner be, table. That's interesting, yeah, yeah. Because they're already sitting down, their mouths are full, and their ears are hopefully open. And uh, we probably read, I was trying to calculate this, but over 50 books in the years of raising the kids right at the table. And uh, those were our after-dinner devotions. And it, uh, it, was, uh, it was helpful and encouraging. One thing I did learn along those lines, though, is that when I would uh, read to them and then ask them questions afterwards... They would get some of them, but not all of them. Hmm. And so I turned that around and I would ask them the content questions or the interpretation questions first and say, this is the stuff to be listening for. Then I did my reading and they got all of them afterwards. And
0: that would be for the Bible or for the Chronicles of Narnia? Would this be like before the Bible or both? Both. Interesting. Yeah. All right. And when you say, you know, regularly for the Bible and prayer, would you shoot for... Once a week, something like that, we'd kind of sit down and go
1: through a book of the Bible or. We, we aimed for every night, hoping to get four or five nights a week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. You did better than we did.
2: I'm not sure what we aimed for. I think we, we thought probably to be good Christians, we should do it five times a day, but. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Man, I think back something very similar as far as reading books and all that, but we did at nighttime. Not usually um, well, during a meal, it would be, you know, before bed. Sometimes we would just all cuddle up in one bed and, and, and read. Um, I remember with uh, Stephen and <clears throat> Sanford when they were, oh, 10, 11, something like that for Stephen, maybe a little bit older. And uh, we would go, we were out all the way through um, Walter Waringman Jr.'s, The Book of God, mm-hmm. where he uh, kind of turned the whole Bible into a novel. And that was, uh, Mm. that was fun to do it and take us very long to go through the whole Bible. Mm. But,
0: um, well, you mm. know, Bruce, I remember spending the night at your house. I think it must've been eight or nine. And uh, yeah, we, you came up and you read us the Hardy boys. Oh yeah. Franklin W. Dixon. Mm -hmm. So I don't remember you asking the spiritual application questions beforehand or afterward, you know, when Frank and Joe and Biff were getting into some sort of, some sort of scrape, but I do remember that. Yeah, we did a lot of Marty boys. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I actually, I saw recently one one prominent Christian pastor, you know, they were, at, he was on some sort of panel where they're asking him all to say the, the single author most represented in their library, you know, in terms of influence. And he said, it's Franklin W. Dixon. He's got, you know, 117 titles by him or something well, like that. So anyway, I cut you off halfway, but you would do reading at night. That's all right. And we had... Um, Because we were
2: homeschooling, we had a Bible curriculum we were going through all the Hmm. time. So that was because that was sort of part of their academic life. Yeah, it was it was hard to piggyback on that too much. And, you know, so now we're going to have devotions. Now we're going to read the Bible and they've been in the Bible during the day anyway. So it's um, sometimes that was um, not as necessary to have the, uh, you know, the family devotions part of it because they were already doing Mm -hmm. Bible related things. So thinking back. You know, if I were with a young family, you know, like one of my kids with their grandkids. And by the way, we have another grandchild on the way for people that don't hey, know. So, congrats. yeah. So, Stephen and Alyssa are expecting a baby next uh, next wow. February. So, it's pretty exciting. Praise God. That's awesome. But anyway, uh, we could have a whole podcast, I think, on grandparenting. I think that would be. Hey,
0: next season, if you, got, if you have grandparenting questions, please submit them for next season. And we'll put... uh I guess you're all, I was going to say, we're, I was going to try to think of the elder who's not a grandparent to put on that one, but all the elders are our grandpas. So they would have some good wisdom for you, but okay, cool. Now, you know, Bruce, that's encouraging because it is, you know, a lot in some Christian circles, there is a lot of emphasis and pressure put on the uh, family worship, you know, and a lot of, you know, you can go back to the great Shema of, of Deuteronomy of, you know, you need to teach these things to your children, but it's encouraging to know this can take a lot of different forms. And so I guess I'm going to say this to parents out there who might feel really encouraged or discouraged because maybe you're having just a hard time keeping up with the dishes and your family isn't that structured, that a lot of this spiritual instruction can happen uh, side by side going through the tasks of life. Even if you don't have the formal, we sit down for an hour every single day and and go through our litur- our family liturgy. So. Uh, Or at least that's how I excuse myself sometimes when it's hit and miss in the uh, in the Corley household. All right. Question number four here. Do you have any book or resource recommendations for Christian parents? So any stuff that you found helpful for yourself or that you think would be great for um, parents to look at today who are thinking through uh, how do I go about
1: parenting my kids in a godly way? Earl, you got any? Well, I as I thought about this, I thought going over to my bookshelf and writing down some of the titles might be helpful. But then I realized my reading list is probably quite dated by now since my youngest is 38 years old. Oh, wow. Um, what rite of passage are you doing for the 39th birthday? Um, hope Hopefully she'll uh, be able to find a new job because... Uh, She was just uh, uh, her her position was transferred to another city. Oh, no. Yeah. After 17 or 18 years with the company. But oh, uh, that's a bummer. Yeah. That'll be a huge rite of passage for her. Yeah, for real. Wow. But uh, anyway, rather than give particular titles, uh, I mean, Dobson and others have done so much to educate the family and inform us as to different uh, attitudes and strategies that. My parents never had; they they never had books like that uh, to uh, draw from when they were raising us. And uh, but uh, one thing that I did, and I was grateful for, in uh, is reading a variety of books rather than just the predictable evangelical fare. Um, mm-hmm. Some that were very strict disciplinarian type things and some that were very uh, touchy-feely, warm, huggy kind of books. And it gave me a wider variety of ideas uh, to pick from rather than uh, simply conform to a particular pattern. And I, I was grateful for that. And therefore, no one author really said it for me. But all of them had something to suggest that created a balance that uh, I probably needed. Oh, that's great to hear because I, I, you
0: know, I've been reading a lot of parenting books lately and it seems like each different one you read, the author is making the claim that they have unlocked the key to parenting. And it's like, if you follow my nine steps, your child is going to obey all the time and love you and uh, be a great, great in school, you know, all these things. So it is, it is helpful to read from a variety of, of authors. Uh, Bruce, do you have any recommendations?
2: Well, my, wow! I agree. You want to read things that are as balanced as possible, but then everyone thinks they're balanced. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you do <laughs> some books you read. It's like you know, if you can get your kids to behave, you have done the big thing. Yeah, yeah. and then others say, no, we want this child to blossom. So you know, don't to be too, you know, don't corral them or you know, helicopter them too much. So you get uh, both emphases. Well, one book, though, recently. That's a fairly new book called Parenting by Paul David Tripp. Oh, it's so good. It's pretty balanced, yeah. and I really like that book. Uh, I've got a lot of the older books, and I've got a lot of the older kids, too. So uh, we have, oh, man, there's just, uh, there's a lot of good resources, but some of them are podcasts. So anyone yeah. that's listening to this, now you know how to do a bod- podcast if you've never done this before. Uh, I was just looking online for, uh, for uh, one called Dad. Let's see, I can't read this. Dad Tired? Dad Tired, Yeah. Dad Tired podcast, and it's got a lot of different uh, contributors to it.
0: I recommend that as well. I haven't listened to the catalog because sometimes I would, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts to relax and I would listen to Dad Tired and I would start to feel Dad Tired sometimes. But I've listened to episodes of that and it's fantastic. You know, you can look through the titles and see, oh, I'm asking this question right now. I'm going to listen to this podcast. And
2: Oh, exactly. Yeah. So you can kind of scroll through it and mm-hmm. find out what you want. Uh, from the mom standpoint, there is a deal called... Um, Huh. I hope it's risen motherhood. No. Nope. Okay. Well, while you're looking at this, Christ centered one... mama. Oh. So look up Christ centered mama. That uh, puts you, that links you to 30 different podcasts and you can kind of listen to samples and see what you like.
0: Oh, interesting. So that kind of has it. it... Has a bunch of different resources there. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll I'll give Shauna's recommendation, which is Risen Motherhood. Oh, good. She loves that podcast, and it's one of those I haven't listened. I've listened to one episode. She said, "Oh, you have to listen to this one," and I and I did, and it was great. But they're very you know the gospel centered and and oriented around scripture, and but I, I feel like I don't need to listen to it because she gives me the recap most weeks of exactly you know what was going on in it, and and it, it has led to some very profitable conversations for us.
1: That's good. One other thing that uh, is pretty obvious to anyone who's been parenting for a while, but for uh, prospective or new parents, a good thing to remember is that for us, we had three different children, a boy and two girls. I needed three different parenting plans. One did not fit all three. And so uh, a wide variety of books because I had a wide variety of kids. And so don't be surprised when your uh, tried and true technique for child number one doesn't seem to work on child number two. Which is also a great
0: reminder when you're looking at how people parent, other people parent their kids. It's very easy to get judgmental about that because, you know, we've got our method, you know, and this works for our kids. So you think, oh, man, if this other family in the church would just adopt my method, then all the problems would be solved. And, you know, you're you're hanging out with them and you're just biting your tongue the whole time because you're, you know, trying not to. So, But it's good to remember, hey. If that kid was just automatically inserted in your family, that might not work for them. And boy, we've definitely seen that with our two our two boys, our four year old and our our two year old about to turn three on Friday this week. They are so different, and uh, already Sean and I are just scratching our heads all the time trying to figure out uh, how to parent them. So. Yeah, thank you for that. Hmm. My two add-ons, I would, I'll second Bruce's recommendation of the Paul David Tripp book, uh, Gospel. I think it is called Parenting Gospel Par- Principles for Parenting or something you know, like
2: fourteen principles or something like yeah. that.
0: Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. what I love about it is it, his goal. It's not a how-to book about parenting so much as evaluating your task as a parent in light of the truths of the gospel, the the depravity of man. Um, the, the work of Jesus and how your goal is not just to get your kid to behave. It's not just for them to, to flourish, but your your goal as a parent is as much as possible to uh, expose them to the truth of the gospel and 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 see that their deepest need uh, is their lostness and their need for a savior more than pleasing you as a, a parent. And it's been so encouraging for Shauna and me and liberating in a lot of ways from the pressures of parenting. Mm hmm. So I didn't know Bruce and I haven't really talked about that book together yet. So it's cool to know that you're a you're a fan as well.
1: And Earl, a book that comes to mind for uh, when your kids are in their adolescent stage is that uh, the book Parenting Adolescence by Hmm. an author named Hogan or Haugen. And uh, just a little warning, the idea of parenting adolescence in this book is an emphasis on you as the parent not the result with the adolescent. So it gives you freedom to be the parent you ought to be rather than measure your success by their response. Wow. All right. Great. That's I'm filing that away for,
0: you know, 10 years from now. Last question here. Question number five. What is the worst family vacation you've ever taken or the best? Or maybe they're actually the same if your worst happened to be your best as well. (laughs) So, uh, Earl, let's start with you on this. What is the worst family vacation that the uh, Oliver family ever has taken?
1: Oh, uh, there's always the horror stories you can share, but all in all, start off with, we're grateful for whenever we could have any kind of a vacation. And uh, uh, you ask the kids about, uh, what do you remember most about vacations? And they'll bring up a particular hotel up in uh, Vancouver, Victoria, that was an absolute nightmare. The sheets were so stained that we wouldn't get in bed. We'd laid on top. The bathroom was so moldy that we would not use the tub. And uh, it was just horrid. And they remember that as a highlight of their vacation. And then the numerous (laughs) times. We had been
2: there just the week before, so I wouldn't understand how it got that way.
1: They said they didn't clean up after the last family. Okay. (laughs) But uh, the the other thing that is uh, quite common in their stories is the many times that we spent vacations in the parking lot of an auto parts store buying an alternator or a water pump or spark plugs or something that had to be fixed on the road. And uh, uh, that was just so common that it becomes part of their uh, memory.
0: Oh, there's a deep piece of Nihus family lore where they spent, I think, a week in y- rural Utah fixing their minivan on one of their epic road trips. But that, w- that turned into lifelong friends for them.
1: What's funny about that is that uh, when uh, Christina was at Ecola Bible School, they all piled into a van and drove down to Mexico for uh, a mission outreach during her time there. And, uh, The van was starting to have problems, and uh, one of the guys asked, what's it doing? What's what's the problem? And the guy described the symptoms, and Christina said, sounds like your alternator's going out. Hmm. And all the guys just ridiculed her and laughed her, like, how would you know? That's so stupid, you know? So he pulled into an auto parts store, and they tested out, and the alternator was going out. (laughs) So she she gained some cred on that trip. That's why you take family vacations
0: right there. Yep. All right, Bruce, what about you? Worst Stabbert family vacation or the best if you want to go that route.
2: OK, this is the same one. It is.
0: OK, <laughs> yeah, this is and what it's I Mexico
2: again. So we're going to Mexico and we get there. And what, we, what
0: year is this? How like how old are your kids? This is like
2: 2000. No, no, no. This is right, right after the Alamo. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Mexico had just no, this is, become an independent state.
2: Yeah. Stephen is like a. Th- Two, three-year-old. Oh my goodness! Three-year-old. Yeah, that's
0: 1991. Okay, so he's my age. So born in '88. All right, yeah. Wow. So
2: we're down there on the Sea of Cortez, and we're having a great time. the The wind blows at night, so you got to anchor your tent down. But we're about the only people on the beach, and beautiful sand beach on the Sea of Cortez. And uh, man, it was the food was great and all that until. First John, I think, and then James gets hit with this. And then, oh man, we are sick. They are sick. And so we, uh, we decide to get out of there. We're gonna get out of Mexico. And then on the way out, it hits me. <laughs> so I'm driving and uh, one of my worst stories ever is, you know, so I've uh, just lost it. And I'm trying to clean up in this, uh, at this PMEX station <laughs> and there's an outhouse with no door. And so I'm trying to clean up and there's a bunch of, <laughs> <laughs> quit laughing. There's all these Mexican laborers under a tree, you know, on a break and they're all watching me clean up. And so I'm just waving to them. They're about, uh, I don't know, 50 paces oh. away. And, uh, oh, but I'm feeling so bad. I don't even feel shame or anything. I'm just, oh man. And you're
0: so fortunate. This is the d- these are the days before the iPhone camera phone, because you could have gone viral <laughs> Oh, on uh, international social media. <laughs> Hashtag gringo. Yeah.
2: So that was, um, I don't know if that was the worst vacation for everyone else, but it's right up
1: there for me. Oh, that's So fine. you're telling me you're the reason that gas station bathrooms are not very popular? <laughs> yeah. And I think that's why the U.S. tried to build a wall to keep guys from me out. <laughs>
0: no, the, the worst thing was the Oliver family came through the next week and said, this is the filthiest bathroom <laughs> we've ever seen. And we were changing the alternator. <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. Thank you, gentlemen. We'll just close with that image of Bruce in the (gasps) P-Mex bathroom trying to clean things up after a disaster. Thank you both. And we'll we'll see you next time. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of Ask the Elders Anything. You might still have some parenting type related questions or maybe you want to uh, follow up and ask uh, exactly the name of that hotel in canada where the oliver stayed so you can avoid it on your next time passing through victoria so if you do have more questions to submit you can do so at fbctacoma.org aea that's the ask the elders anything page you can ask more questions there or about grandparenting whatever you'd like and also you know just a reminder it's so great to be part of a church community with other people you can talk to about this and support one another so if you need to follow up with any of the elders personally and get more resource recommendations, it'd be something we'd be happy to do. Another thing I should say is in the FBC library, the physical library, there's a lot of these titles that were mentioned, including that book by uh, Paul Tripp, The Gospel Principles for Parenting are there, uh, it's right there in the FBC library. So if that's something that you haven't perused yet, go check out the parenting shelf there and there's probably plenty of things to get you going on your wide variety of reading. Thanks again for joining us,
1: God bless you.